The Game of Thrones season five premiere is over and so is the off season. And now here we are, proper Game of Thrones season. First episode of the Game of Thrones book club on a regular season of Game of Thrones since June. And I'm very excited about that. That is a very exciting thing to say here. I'm Josh Wiggler. I am joined here by the person who, believe it or not, this is the person who leaked all four episodes of Game of Thrones uh, onto the internet. It's Terry Schwartz. It's the, it's, it's the mole. It's the mole. Oh, I'm not supposed to expose you like that. Well, you know, I just want to give that gift to the world. And then I tweeted some opposite reactions to uh, put people off my trail. Right. No, it was very clever. It was very little finger of you, Terry. Yeah, well, you know, this show taught me literally everything I know. I had zero education before I started reading the Game of Thrones books. And now all I know is to manipulate and torture and try to climb to power. So I think it's worked pretty well so it's, far. It's worked really well. And everybody who has already seen the first four episodes of this season, thanks you very much, Terry, for uh, doing the Lord's work, the Lord of Light's work on this one. I'm going to have the Unsullied show up at my door to murder me. HBO's unselling. <laughs> like, yeah, if you guys can't tell, this is not true. Uh, Terry, did, Terry is not the source of the leak. So before anyone gets any wild ideas or wildling ideas, uh, it, is, uh, it is not Terry. Terry, what do you think of the fact that the first four episodes of this season have leaked? It actually hugely bummed me out. It and sucks, right? I know there's no way to prevent it, but I tweeted yesterday. I was like, just wait, honestly. A lot of those episodes are unfinished. You know, they're <laughs> they're sent out to help people prep coverage so that we can get cool interviews and, and have answers for fans when they do air. And the fact that they leak makes it less likely for HBO to do that in the future. Um, yeah, it's just a bummer and like a weird, gross violation of trust, of HBO's trust. I think, like, I mean, I get it. People will go into movie screenings and record movies and do that, but I don't know. Sort of shitty. I'm with you. It sucks. Uh, and I, and I, and I do wonder how it's going to affect people who get uh, screenings of this show, whether or not that's going to be something that continues or if this is really going to be the nuclear bomb that, that ends that. So definitely a disappointing situation. Uh, just to say it outright here, obviously the game of Thrones book club, this is the podcast we do on post-show recaps for people who watch game of Thrones and also read the books that the show is based on. So spoilers from the books are fair game. Every time we talk about uh, this show, Terry has seen the first four episodes of Game of Thrones season five. Uh, she was one of the lucky journalists who got those uh, episodes in advance. We're only talking about episode one. We are only talking about the premiere episode of Game of Thrones season five. I have not seen the next three episodes. I'm sure some of you have. If you have, keep your questions limited to, to just what happened in this past episode. I don't want to find out like for sure what's happening in these next episodes. And I'm sure that there are a lot of you who agree with me. So let's just try and be cool. We said this last night during the live show, uh, the live recap of the, of the premiere. Just be cool. Just be cool. We, want, we all want to have nice things. We all want to experience this the way that it was intended to be experienced. So just if you, know, if you have watched those episodes and you know what's coming up, just keep that stuff to yourself. Be cool. We'll get to that stuff eventually. Does that sound fair, Terry? Yeah, though I can't believe you didn't hear that Rickon pops back up and is a main character for the rest of the season. I don't believe anything that you've just said. <laughs> I don't buy that for a minute. Uh, but I mean, maybe it's possible. I don't know. I mean, this this it's is not, that was a lie again. But, but, no, this, is, but no. this is this is the season that is veering wildly off book, uh, as we have already started to see with last night's episode. There are some major departures, and I have certainly heard from some people who um, who who come at this either books first. You know, they they knew the books before the show ever existed, or they are more loyal to the books than they are to the show. But I have heard from a lot of those people already that they are not thrilled uh, with a lot of the changes that were made last night. And if last night is a sign of things to come on Game of Thrones, that they're going to be very upset with the rest of the season. Personally speaking, and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, Terry, I'm, I'm, I feel as ready for it as I possibly can be. I mean, I kind of have to put on a happy face because I'm going to be covering this show no matter what, as are you. It's kind of our job. Um, but I, it's not a fake happy face. I really, I really did like the season five premiere I'm open to the changes. The book is always going to be the book when we get there, when, whenever Winds of Winter comes out. Um, the things that are in Dance with Drags and Feast for Crows that are not going to make it onto the show, all of that is still real as far as this story goes, uh, just in a different medium. And I'm okay with the two being different. And I think that some of the changes they're making um, could be interesting. And actually, I think that the first change that we're going to talk about today um, 
is potentially one that I prefer. So, so uh, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff. Just well, to sit- before we dive into it, I had told you before that my two favorite storylines this episode and going forward seem to be uh, Sansa and Cersei, which is very different than anyone who knows my opinion on the show. That's not typical. And I'm curious, just, you know, from a broad standpoint, a lot of these storylines are different, which were the ones that stood out to you? Uh, in terms of the ones that are different? Just in general, because I'm, for the most part, beyond Cersei's, they are all new. And yeah. I, just in the way the show is doing them, which are the ones well, we, that... So, so just to quickly recap just what we thought of the episode last night. Really, the only thing that we didn't love was we didn't love Grey Worm and Missandei just because, eh, whatever. You don't, don't really need that. I feel like that's a little bit of filler when the rest of the show is all killer. Um, I, I enjoyed everything at the wall. I thought that it's, it was Kit Harrington's one of his best episodes and not close. You know, I think that that was his Jon Snow in that episode was really terrific and uh, I can say this here on the book club. And again, final spoiler warning. If you are watching this show and you have not read the books, we're talking about the books, the full extent of everything we know from these books starting right now. You know, given where we know, Terry, where the Jon Snow story is going to go, that it's going to go through him becoming Lord Commander. It could potentially go through uh, the assassination attempt or the assassination, however you land on the issue right now. Um, Kit Harrington has a lot of good stuff coming up this season, so it was really exciting to see how good he was in this first episode. So I loved the stuff at the wall. Um, I'm intrigued by Marine. I'm, you know, I'm not completely sold on the Marine stuff yet. I liked it, didn't love it, but I thought that we were, um, we're, we're starting off on an interesting foot there. Um, and I, I love that Varys is, you know, as involved in the Tyrion stuff as he is. Um, you know, this is really, I, I believe this portion of the story is supposed to be Illyrio right now. And even though they're in Illyrio's house, Illyrio is nowhere to be seen, at least not yet. And I really like that it's Varys because Varys and Tyrion together are such great characters. Uh, it's such a great dynamic. And I, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him be a part of that storyline. So I think that the show just has to, by necessity, trim some of the fat, do the show the way that it does things, uh, play to the strengths that it has, uh, and I think that the Tyrion and Varys thing is a good example of that. So overall, I really did authentically like the episode quite a bit. Uh, but I do know that there are some people who, who do not feel that way. Right. Yeah. All right. So, so that I was just yeah. Totally, totally. So, so let's let's just uh, a couple other housekeeping things. Um, just a note: uh, we we aren't always going to do the Game of Thrones book club live. But first off, this is the premiere. We want we want to engage with you guys. If you guys are uh, many of you are at work, probably some of you playing hooky. Others of you are just watching this in the archives. Either way, uh, we we, uh, we we wanted to do this one live and have a little bit of live interaction with you guys and field some questions as they come in, if they come in. Um, but we're not going to be doing this live every single time. We're going to try and do it live when we can. Um, but we, we also know that there are a lot of people who were following the Game of Thrones book clubs uh, when they were always live shows and were wondering, hey, where the hell did you guys go in the offseason? We were here. We were always here. Uh, well, not always here, but we had a few shows between the end of season four and the start of season five uh, as audio podcasts only. So if you are afraid that you're missing out on any of those shows, the best way to subscribe to that stuff, postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. You'll always get the audio feed, the audio versions of what we're doing here in the Game of Thrones book club. Uh, so if you missed us, if you only watch us through YouTube, Go back to the archives. There were some very fun shows in the off season. Uh, and if you don't see us live on YouTube one week, that's probably where we'll be. Uh, so just to put that on the table uh, and from there. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do today, we got a lot of questions in overnight about the episode. Uh, we'll take some of your questions live today as well, but let's start with a guy who was my partner in crime last night on the game of Thrones recap podcast. Uh, Rob Cesternino was not around. He is on, in Las Vegas this week for the podcast awards. So Antonio Mazzaro, my good buddy, Antonio, he stepped to the plate. He was my co-host. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job not talking about any of the book stuff because he is an avid reader of the books. And I don't think I'm speaking out of school uh, here when I say I think Antonio is even more devoted to the books than I am. Uh, I don't think that he would say that that's incorrect. Um, and Antonio wrote into us and, you know, he definitely had some stuff that he wanted to talk about uh, last night that we really couldn't talk about. But here we go. We got this from Antonio. It's about Mance Raider. Uh, and I think Mance Raider is going to be a big topic of conversation here. This is what Antonio wrote in. Everyone wants to talk about it, I'm sure. It can't just be me. Even if it is, I want to know. Tell me. Tell me Oracle Schwartz and Sunny Outlook wigs. Tell me it can't be true. 
Tell me they didn't just kill Mance Raider, King Beyond the Wall, Lord of the People Who Live Beyond the Wall or whatever, first of his name, old crow medicine showman himself. Tell me they didn't kill him without a glimmer of a glamour, without even a mere reflection of a ruby. It can't be true. If this is true, if that shot to the heart was the last we see of him, this is a greater violation than seeing no shots of Stoneheart. His spear wives were so badass. It's not uh, seeing their claiming victims in Winterfell victim. Too much of a victim. Larger story being axed. I don't know. I botched that last sentence. Say it ain't so, please, is basically what he's saying. Tell me Mance Raider is still alive. And I think that we can turn this right over to you, Terry. And you can give a definitive answer as to whether or not Mance Raider is dead. Because this would be a big change from the books if Mance Raider is dead. Terry, is Mance Raider officially dead? Yeah, he's totally dead. There's no, there's no transfer over to Tormund. There's no rattle shirt. There aren't even any spear wives or baby or like anything there. Mance Raider's story is over. Um, I've I've confirmed it with people on the show. I spoke to Kieran Hines, who plays Mance. And his, it's not even, not even mostly dead. Not half dead, not mostly no, dead, full dead. No, full dead. Totes dead. And I think, like, honestly, a lot of people are reading a lot into that shot between Tormund and Mance. And I think there's something to read into it there, but it's not a magical transfer. I think there is a transfer of power and an acknowledgement that Tormund, it's your job to lead the wildlings now. I'm making this decision. We both understand why. Uh, if you think about it, this is the first time they must have seen each other since they were captured, uh, which I think a de- uh, at least some amount of time has passed. But yeah, no, no magic, no Melisandre, no other stuff going on. Are you bummed? No, I'm not. And I, I don't mean to upset you, Antonio, because I know you're listening uh, and I know you asked the question. I know you're not psyched about it, but I actually remember thinking, um, when reading Dance with Dragons for the first time and you get that reveal that Mance is still alive and he's being sent on a covert mission to infiltrate Winterfell uh, and do all this stuff and, you know, work, work his way inside and help uh, Stannis that way. I thought it was a bridge too far. Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of times where this show reveals that something you think has been is uh, turns out to to not have been is not, uh, you know, lots of dual identities uh, with with young Griff being Aegon Targaryen. And maybe he's not actually going to be Aegon Targaryen. Maybe he himself is a fake, you know, all of these different things that, um, you know, that they put out there. And I thought that the Mance Raider one was a little too far for me. Uh, I thought that it was a better ending for Mance to die in the fire, uh, to, to go out, you know, shrieking, uh, to go out, you know, really in a, in a moment of pure horror. Um, and maybe that says something about me being kind of a sick bastard, but I thought that it was a good ending for Mance. And it just, I feel like, I feel like George gets a little happy. George R. R. Martin gets a little happy with that trick. I think that he uses it a little too often. And I think to do it on the show, uh, for a character who frankly, Mance Raider in the books is one of my absolute favorites. And I love Kieran Hines as an actor. Um, but the casting was always a little strange for me. He, he was never really the Mance that was in my mind. Um, and on top of that, they didn't use him too much. Uh, and that actually speaks to something that our good buddy, Brendan Fitzpatrick wrote in, uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick wrote in, wow, they brought in Kieran Hines for three tense scenes of the death in the first episode of season five. What the hell? Uh, and it's a fair point. You know, you get a really, you know, reputable, fantastic actor like Kieran Hines, and that's all you use of him for Mance Raider. And granted, Mance Raider isn't heavily um, featured in the books. You know, he's talked about a lot, but he's not seen a ton. Um, but it really was kind of, I feel like, not the... The show could have done better by Mance Raider, I think. Um, and I, I don't know that it would have worked to have him on the show doing what he does in A Dance with Dragons. I think that this is one thing that you can cut. Um, and I, I'm sure it's going to bum a lot of people that it's not going to come back uh, in, in the way that I really don't expect that we'll ever see Lady Stoneheart. Um, but I'm OK with it. I'm, I'm really all right with it. And Terry, I'm kind of curious what your take is. Yeah, I, I think that. What I did like about it is that the what three scenes that Mance had in this episode packed a really emotional punch. And I think that they were all really effective um, and also do a great job of setting up John's journey this season. If you think about it, he's really been driven by the 
the leader influences in his life. And right now, the two most important ones are Mance and Arstanis. And as he has to make his choice about what he does next, I think seeing how Mance handled this versus how Stannis will handle his situations will really weigh on him and maybe help him choose who he's going to back. Um, I did, it was sort of interesting. So when I, I spoke with Kieran Hines and we can send this interview out later, we talked a little bit about, about fan expectations. And he was like, yeah, his actual quote was, I expect people will be miffed, which I think is the understatement of the century yeah, that, sure. <laughs> that he died. Um, but he also said that, he was uh, he was a bit bummed that he didn't get a chance to work with more people. And he said he had a feeling that when Stephen Delane and Liam Cunningham, who play Stannis and Davos, showed up at the end of last season, that he wasn't long for this world, which obviously ended up being true. Uh, but, but he was disappointed that he didn't get to work with them more. And, and he brought up how George, like resurrects people and transfers souls and all this stuff, which in my head, I'm like, Oh God, you're just sparking more theories by saying that, you know, this when this is what happens to your character. But he said, if there ever was an excuse for him to come back, he would want to come back and hang out with different characters than he did already. Yeah. Which I sentiment. Uh, and, and Brandon also asked if we could weigh in just to refresh people on how Mance's death went down um, in the books as opposed to the show. Um, and my memory of it, I, I haven't read it super recently, but my memory of it is he's like, he's basically being dragged to the stake and saying like, I'm not Mance, it's not me. It's like, you've got the wrong guy. And he's screaming and screaming and screaming. And, you know, the moment that all of that is excluded from the show, um, it seems fairly clear to me that they were doing this for real. Like it, you know, there's, there's really no evidence whatsoever if you're looking for the rattle shirt reveal. Um, and, and what it is is that in the books, Melisandre has cast a glamor on rattle shirt and he looks like Mance Raider, but it's actually rattle shirt. Um, there's no evidence of that whatsoever here. I don't think, unless you want to say the fact that Mance looked petrified and terrified in his final moments, but I think that that's probably just how anybody who's going to be in that position is going to look as they're about to get burned alive. Um, I don't think that there's any evidence that there's any sort of trickery going on there. Um, and if let's say uh, people who work on the show that you're talking to, Terry, let's say that they're fooling you. Let's say that they're putting pull, <laughs> pulling the wool over your eyes or Kieran Hines is just tricking I you. I always have. <laughs> you know, it, listen, it's always possible. You never know. You know, it's their, it's, it's their imperative to protect the show however they can. Uh, so they could be lying to you. Who knows? But I think that if, you know, if you're looking for that, if you're looking for did Mance Raider survived this scene. Um, for my money, I can't see it. Uh, I can't see where that trapdoor has been built. Uh, I don't see. I don't see how they could do that without kind of cheapening the moment of John shooting the arrow into him, and that is obviously different as well. Um, I don't. I don't believe that Jon Snow shot an arrow into Mance in the no, chapter. He did have like some archers shoot him but right. he personally but but for but for john to be the guy that's a really big moment for john and a real mission statement for what we're doing with john snow as a character this season uh you know we know that in uh dance with dragons it's very much going to be a matter of uh john kind of wrestling with this loyalty to the night's watch and also this um you know this kind of empathy for the wildlings and this desire to bring the two together and this desire you know like a, pra a pragmatic desire you know a practical use thing you know we've got white walkers coming our way we need all the warm bodies we can get on our side of the wall working for us uh and i think him killing mance and showing um you know showing respect for mance in this scene uh, you know, if it's if it's not legit, if Matt somehow comes back from the grave, I think that cheapens this gesture that John has made toward the wildlings that like I spared your leader from a really gruesome death. Uh, I think that he probably his stock has has gone sky high with with the wildlings. Uh, and I expect that that's going to be the the way in for Stannis to want to keep working with John is John is now going to be the guy to talk to if he really wants that wildling army. Right. And I think we haven't really addressed the flip side of this, what it means for Mance's journey to not progress. And I'm purely speculating on this, but I've been thinking about it for a while. And I honestly think if they do Theon the same way as he his storyline happens in the books, he loses a lot of his agency 
like having Mance be the one to help him escape versus him taking on losing Reek, becoming Theon again and doing it himself. And I think that while that twist works well in the books, getting like stripping that part of Theon's story away and really having this season be about the return of Theon, which again, like I'm just speculating, but I'm guessing like that is such a big part in the books. They could do that in the show. I think it works better without Mance. I don't know if you have thought about that at all or if you agree. No, I do. I do. I totally agree. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not that ripped up about this. There's other things that I could be ripped up about. Uh, I'm not so ripped up about Mance being dead. I think it was a powerful moment to close the first episode of the season on. Uh, and I think just with the way that they had treated the character on the show, I think it makes sense for them just to write him off here. Um, and I think with everything coming up, I think there's going to be ways of doing what Mance was accomplishing with other characters. Right. Just how I feel. Um, all right. Anything else on Mance or do you want to move on? Let's move on. Let's move on. So let's, let's move on to the top of the episode, the flashback uh, where we get the Maggie, the frog scene with Cersei, which I thought was, was pretty terrific, even though uh, Maggie, the frog doesn't quite look like I expected her to. Maggie was a straight babe and I was totally into it. Do you know who she is? Um, I don't know the name of the actress off the top of my head, uh, but she's, have you ever seen last of the Mohicans? I have not. You should see Last of the Mohicans. It's a great movie. Uh, well, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Last of the Mohicans. She's the sister who like jumps off the cliff. You know that one? Yeah, it is great. Sorry, I just spoiled a climactic moment for you, Terry, but you'll forget about it. But no, I was surprised. I was like, oh my God, it's the same person. <laughs> You didn't put your last the Mohican spoiler alert at the top. No, of no. Well, I just did. I just did before I said it. So it's fine. Uh, but no, <laughs> she, she really was a babe. But isn't she supposed to potentially be confused for uh, a children of the forest? One of the children of the forest in the books? Yeah. Well, isn't that a theory that some people have? I don't think that theory could possibly exist on the show. Yeah, I don't think so. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe yeah. they just want to make it clear that she is what she is. This drove Cersei crazy yeah. and drove book readers crazy because as I was teasing before, there was something right at the top of the episode that your diehard book fan is going to be peeved that yes. they left yeah, so this this is it. So Antonio Mazzaro is in the chat room. Uh, he says, what are you ripped up about then, you monster? Obviously very mad at me for not being mad about Mance. Well, Antonio, I'll tell you. I'll tell all of you. I'm upset about this. This is from Matt Campbell about the prophecy. Why was there no mention of the Valonqar prophecy from Maggie the Frog? I hope they don't leave it out. It's a huge part of Cersei's psyche. So, yeah, just to set that up, part of the prophecy is... Uh, the, is about the Valonqar, the little brother, the younger sibling, uh, is going to be your undoing. Uh, that is completely left off the table here. Terry, why are they doing that to us? Why are they doing that to me? I have no idea. To be honest, I don't have answers there. But we it's still, the whole thing to me about that prophecy is that it's so vague. It's what Cersei makes of it and what will end up happening with it. Um, it's super unclear. Like people, could the second son be the second sons? Like, could it not be someone she's related to? Could it be Jamie? Could it be Tyrion? Is anything even going to come of that eventually? Um, I think it's, if, if the show is going to laser focus on the conflict between Cersei and Marjorie this season, which it certainly seems like it is, to have just that one small part of the prophecy set that up, works i mean she's she doesn't have Tyrion in her sights right now that she can be super mad at him i think it's justifiable that she hates him and is mad at him that she he killed their father but yeah i don't really have a good answer i guess it all depends how it plays out in the books if it ends up being important or not but i think that it not being on the show isn't a sign that it won't be important in the books it makes me sad. It makes me very sad because I think that the uh, uh, I, I think that that really explains a big part of the reason why she so fiercely hates Tyrion. Uh, and I feel like as we're trying to humanize Cersei a little bit this season and, and with the storyline that's coming her way, I feel like that's a big part of it. Uh, it's just like, you know, like this childhood nightmare that she goes through uh, is a big part of why she just hates her little brother so, so much. I mean, there's other reasons, too, but I feel like that's a big one. And to leave that off the table does break my heart a little bit, I will say. And then the other thing is 
She murders her friend in the books. She doesn't do it here. Uh, maybe that's a bridge too far, but this is from uh, Gianfranco Gervaiso, who wrote, uh, could this flashback, could, could, it be, could it be that there's room for more, or was it just for this one episode? And that's something uh, that, I'm, that I'm curious about as well. Could we see uh, this, this flashback to the time of Cersei as a kid with Maggie the Frog? Could we see more of that throughout the season? Do you think that we'll return to this at all? And could it be to kill the kid? No. No. That's it. Straight yeah. Up, no. That, no. I mean, yeah. No. Every, everything that I have been told about it and that I've read about it is that they justified it not being a straight flashback, more like being like a dream, like prologue to this season. This is what we got. This is what they're dealing with. Um, if they do flashbacks again in future seasons, maybe, but this is what we have. All right, well, let's talk about flashbacks for future seasons. This from Brendan Fitzpatrick as well. Uh, since we are doing the flashback thing this season, do you think that there's any chance that we'll ever get some Rhaegar? What would be the best flashback you'd want to see? What do you think, Terry? The precedent has been set. We can do flashbacks on Game of Thrones now. Are we going to get any Tourney of Harrenhal? Are we going to get any Rhaegar? Are we going to get any Lyanna? Are we going to get any Duncan Egg? Are we going to get any Robert's Rebellion? Are we going to get any more flashbacks on the show? And if so, what would your money be on? What do you think would be a candidate for an actual flashback that we could get on Game of Thrones? Uh, one of our mutual good friends, Kara Warner, is every time she sees David and Dan, she also covers this show, she says, when am I getting my Tourney and Harrenhal episode? Uh, and they promised that they would deal with it eventually, whether that means a flashback or what have you. Um, I would love to see Rhaegar and Lyanna. I think that would be my dream for the show, is to get to see them. I don't think we'll get a whole Tourney and Harrenhal episode, um, but I would love that but i almost wonder if it would cheapen rhaegar and liana for us to see them instead of just hear about them like you i think, wonder you think that it, it does more to to their um to kind of their reputation and the and like sort of the epic nature of their romance if they are just um not seen if they're just heard of if they're spoken yeah. We just like, you know, imagine them in our own minds. So as much as I would love to see that, I almost feel like it couldn't possibly live up to my expectations of what I'd want that to be. Um, the one flashback. Yeah, that, that said, I'm, I'm seeing in the chat room from Sophia Laringera, uh, Tower of Joy with a big exclamation mark. And, you know, when I see that, it's just kind of like, ah, I, I kind of I kind of really want to see that very badly. In fact, yeah, yeah. Tower of Joy. <laughs> I feel like the, the tourney and Harrenhal wouldn't live up to my expectations, so I would totally take a whole episode or a whole season. Tower of Joy, but um, what I really would like to see is the scene from uh, Dance of Dragons when Brent is looking through the Weirwood and he sees Ned, like, about to confess. You know what yeah, I'm talking about. No, I know what you're talking about, but don't count on it because Brand's not here this season. He's not. I don't think it would be this season, but I remember talking to Isaac Hempstead, right? Who plays Bran about that scene. And he said they shot it for the pilot. So they could technically just reuse that footage and bring it back later. They wouldn't even have to bring back Sean Bean. It could just oh, be. But Sean Bean would love to come back. I, he would. He would. He said more than once. Um, but yeah, I think those are the two. I didn't even realize how much I wanted Tower of Joy until you just said that. Yeah, but. no, seriously. Uh, and then we have some good points in the chat room going on right now. Alex Kuntz saying, uh, if they want R plus L equals J to be meaningful, we need to get some Rhaegar. Uh, Antonio agrees. Antonio saying R plus L equals J isn't going to have much meaning without a lot more mentions of them on the show at the very least. Um, and you, I, I agree with that completely. I mean, I think that even if we're not going to do flashbacks, we need to start talking about Rhaegar and Lyanna a little bit more. We kind of I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Let's just stick a pin in that and come back to that in a few weeks. Oh my God. How about that for a tease, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, this is why you come to the Game of Thrones book club. Okay, we'll put a, we'll put a pin on it. We'll, we'll talk about it soon, for sure. Uh, all right, so let's shift over to Pentos. Uh, do you, did you like, are you a fan of Pentos, Terry? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Honestly. Not your taste, really. It's not your cup of tea. Yeah. Tyrion's journey in the books. You're not the target audience for Pentos. I love because I love Tyrion, but it's like such a drag. It's just really sad. And he's just sad all the time. Pentos is very sad. Tyrion. Pentos yeah, is for sad people. Yeah, Pentos is definitely for sad people. Um, that scene, the first scene between Varys and Tyrion is perfection. When 
Tyrion, like, they're talking about him pooping in the box. And Varys is like, yeah, it really sucks getting your shit out of this box. And then Tyrion drinks enough wine that he pukes and then keeps drinking. Like, we're, we're very much in their headspace right now. But I think as much as people are bummed that they're trimming a lot of fat from Tyrion's story, I think it's going to be for the better of the show that it moves quickly because people are used to Tyrion being fun and quippy and even when he's mad and sad he's still fun and this isn't fun Tyrion let's face it no vomiting Tyrion is not fun Tyrion that was disgusting <laughs> did you you mentioned something about that during the uh the the pre-season book club we did didn't you tease Tyrion vomiting everywhere man I don't know I think so I think you tried to warn us if your warning was uh, too subtle. <laughs> no, I was not prepared for uh, for the vomit. It was pretty horrible. Uh, but let's let's talk less about Tyrion, more about Varys. Varys being a new player that's in the mix in this storyline, at least in terms of how directly involved he is. Um, but we've got some people. So on the show, Varys finally comes out and says he's Team Danny. He's Team Targaryen. Um, and, you know, we're going to find out in the books, obviously, that he's Team Aegon Targaryen. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the horse that he's backing. Um, but on the show, he's, he's claiming to back Danny. And we've got some people who are taking issue with it. Uh, a listener named Chupa Chabras, uh, a, a listener, Chris K. Chris K. writes in, if Varys is backing Danny, then why did he have her poisoned by the wine merchant? I know King Bob ordered it, but he didn't have to go through with it. I think that's the real sticking point for a lot of people. Um, and, and even in a little more detail, this is what Chupacabra said. Uh, season one, Varys is very much the advocate for killing Danny. The small council meeting where Ned resigns. Every word that comes out of Varys was for Danny's death. And even after Robert had a change of heart and Ned ordered it off, Varys said it was too late. So what do you think of this? Is this, uh, is this a continuity gaffe? Or do you think that there's a way of explaining why Varys was all about killing off Danny and now seems to be wildly on her side? Well, did I? You're, that's such a good point, and something I hadn't thought of was was Viserys dead by that point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, right. maybe news just didn't travel as fast, uh, but I'm I'm pretty certain Viserys was dead. Yeah, my only write around for that, and it could just be a continuity error because obviously, I think the way they handled the show has changed since then. Is that Danny is more of a queen than she was then? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it could, could it just be as simple as Varys has changed his mind? Like now he is suddenly team team Danny. It could be. And you know, I, we aren't, from what I know, we aren't going to get egg on this season, uh, maybe a mention of him, but I doubt that. And we might not get him ever, but I was talking about this yesterday with my boyfriend. Again, this is not my theory. I want to give it away to him. Yeah. Um, Mike, Mike's in the chat room right now. Mike, you're in the chat room. All right. Well, this is all his and I am stealing his thunder by saying it. But in the past, we've complained about uh, like Bran and Mira not showing up when they were supposed to in the book continuity and waiting another season until the beginning of season three for them to introduce, be introduced. What if they're just waiting to do Aegon, where instead of throwing him into the mix and not having him be really important right now within the story and adding another new face, waiting until the beginning of season six, which if it matches up with Dance with Dragons, which we don't know, but it probably will, there's going to be this vacuum where Danny's gone, John is maybe dead, and there's like no big contender. Wouldn't it make more sense to introduce Aegon, have him swoop in as, hey, I'm another Targaryen ready to rule Westeros and have that be the conflict there instead of adding it on to an already very full season? Yeah, so so this is what, what I'll... Yeah, so this is what I'll say is I... Um, I, you know, I hadn't really been thinking about it much until people started bringing up the question of like, well, Varys tried to have Danny killed. You know, why, why is Varys all of a sudden team Danny? I was kind of trying to think about it. And yeah, Mike brings up in the chat room, like he probably had, you know, he probably tipped off Jorah, but uh, Chupacabra said, wrote in, in, uh, in contrast to that, we, you know, Varys may claim that he knew Jorah would protect her, but that's too big of a risk to stake his primary plan on Jorah doing the right thing. I think that that's a fair point. So I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, why Varys would go through with that plan. And I will say that this is like the first time in a long while, because I had written this off. I had written off that we would ever get 
Griff on the show, that we would ever get any form of Aegon Targaryen. Um, this is the most hopeful I've been about Aegon Targaryen possibly being a part of the Game of Thrones show uh, in months, in a long time. Um, I, w- I would not be shocked if there's some sort of left turn with Varys. He's playing Tyrion somehow right now, that he is angling towards Aegon Targaryen, a, a secret a secret plan that only he knows about in terms of the main characters. Um, I don't think it's completely off the table. Uh, I don't know that it's particularly likely just because I do feel like uh, David Benioff and Dan Weiss are trying to streamline this thing as much as they can. As they told you, they're trying to resist temptation to expand. They're trying to contract. Um, But I think that this is obviously in the books, it's building up to be a super important thing. Um, And to find a workaround on the show I'm sure, you know, there, there must be some way that they can do it if they feel confident that they can do it, but maybe there isn't, you know, maybe it really is just that critical that it needs to be on the show, but maybe it doesn't need to be on the show in season five or not until late season five. Uh, maybe it can be held off for season six. Uh, so kudos to Mike, kudos to you, Terry. I, I feel like this is, um, this is the best I'm feeling about the possibility of uh, Mr. Young Griff. Uh, flying into the sea. And there certainly there is the precedent for it. They've done that in the past. We had another example that I can't even think of right now of another character that they held off uh, for a season just because it made more sense to give them a full season instead of plop them in at the end of one and give them a couple episodes and let people stew on them. Like better to give them a big triumphant entrance. But it also made me think about just how crazy Bananas season six is going to open up (laughs) without Danny and without John. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, the thing is, we can't really say how season six is going to open up. We've got no idea, uh, which I find exciting right now. You know, as long as the book is out before then, I'll be happy. But uh, for right now, not knowing how season six is going to start is kind of uh, exciting. Uh, let's skip ahead. We've got let's just do this very, very quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on Brienne and Podrick, to be honest with you. But Spicy Wasabi had asked, is the buddy road trip of Brienne and Pod over uh, because Brienne is sending Podrick off. We don't really know what Brienne is going to be doing this season. You have seen the first four episodes, Terry. So can you just give a little tease of what we can expect from Brienne's story in terms of how faithful it is to what she does in the books, or is it wildly different from what she does in the books? Okay. Well, if what she, if what you consider what she does in the books to be go on a journey, sort of looking for Sansa then yes, it uh-huh. is still similar to that. Okay. Um, does she go to the same places? No. The the buddy road trip with Podrick, not over. Um, and I think what's better about this show version is that she has an she has a, a end goal that is I don't know, like she like she can make it happen. Um, whereas in the show or in the books, we know that she is traveling on this journey and that it's all for naught and that Sansa right. is not what she is. Uh, yeah. So so her I think her her show story is going to be different, but still in the spirit of what she was doing in the books. Mandarin. And an awesome pod. So awesome pod. Yes. I think okay. less. Mandarin. OK, OK. I'm into it. I'm feeling it. Uh, well, let's talk about Sansa. Let's spend some time on Sansa. And I think um, I think a lot of people are are hip to this theory. I think it'll be tough for you to talk about without outright confirming it. So I'm going to give Terry authority right now to confirm uh, what some of you people are suspecting about Sansa's storyline. So if that's something you're not into, maybe maybe tune out for the next little while. We'll probably only spend about five minutes on this. But a lot of people are thinking Sansa's going to Winterfell. This is from ben, Brendan Fitzpatrick. Do we think Littlefinger and Sansa are riding to Winterfell and Stannis is going to be rallying to ride on Winterfell? If so, shit's going to get crazy in the North this season. Uh, is Sansa taking the place of fake Arya and going to wed Ramsay? I really like this idea. Um, so, so what do you, what, what can you say? Can you, can you confirm that Sansa is going to Winterfell? Yes. Okay. Uh, what, do, what do you, what do you make of it? Cause you, I mean, I guess I know what you made of it. When we talked in the pre-show, you said that Cersei and Sansa were the storylines that you are enjoying the most this season. So you're all in on this. You like this change from the books. I like it because I like this version of Sansa and we already get a tease of it in the first episode where she's like, she, she calls Littlefinger on his, on his crap and he likes it. And I like that dynamic. And I was talking about this as well with, um, 
in terms of the Elaine chapter that came out where this relationship between Littlefinger and Elaine Sansa that's in the books that we're just getting to now is very much where they're at in this season. And that's really fun. It's fun to finally see Sansa fully come, like Dark Sansa fully come into her own know what she has to do. She's going into the worst possible situation she could be going into and knowing that she has the capability, I think, to handle herself is exciting. And everything that I've talked to uh, Sophie Turner about who plays Sansa just has me even more hyped for this because I'm like, Ramsey's worse than Joffrey, you know? Ramsey yeah. the absolute worst. But it's pretty it's pretty cool that's like you know riffing on that the idea of Sansa going to Winterfell and having to deal with Ramsey Bolton. It's like she went through like VR training with Joffrey. You know, yeah. she she survived boot camp with Joffrey. Joffrey is boot camp and if she's being positioned against Ramsey, it's going to be the real deal. Uh that's a pretty cool prospect. Right? And I just and again, like a lot of this is speculation on my part. Um, and I can't speak to the, the Stannis part of the question, but just the idea of like having these two now like pretty big personalities and Ramsey and Sansa clash up against each other and they both have to manipulate in their own ways because I think Ramsey, where he is right now, like still really wants to please his dad and be the good little Lord, whether or not he's successful in that, we'll have to wait and see whether or not he'll be as horrifying as he is in the books. We'll have to see if that comes back. But, but seeing them both have these faces on, but be completely different people underneath and clash up against each other. I'm just really, really, really looking forward to that. I never thought I would say I'm most excited about a Sansa storyline. Yeah, no, listen, I'm, I'm team Sansa and I have been for a while. So, uh, if you're on, if you're on team Sansa this season, then I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, let's, uh, also we have from Carrie, uh, Carrie S wrote in and said, uh, asked where Littlefinger is going, maybe where Rickon is. Uh, so I guess we could say poo poo to that. Not where Rickon is. Uh, we'll never see Rickon again. <laughs> I stand by my theory that at the very end of the series, everything's going to be destroyed and just Rickon will pop up from under a rock and he'll yeah. just, it'll be his, it'll be his Westeros. He's finished with his nap. Yes. It's over. Uh, let's talk about Loras for a little while. We got a lot of talk about Loras in the chat room actually earlier talking about the depiction of, of Loras. A bunch of people were talking about that, uh, that, that topic. And Chris Evans wrote, do either of you have a problem with how the show has handled and is continuing to handle Loris? To me, they've just turned him into a complete caricature and his only notable trait appears to be him being gay. Kind of a shame. Um, I think that this has been a complaint about Loris for a while now because Loris is supposed to be this very gifted knight and this very gifted warrior. And we haven't been you know, treated to that side of him pretty much at all on the show. Um, you know, I, I really struggle to think of an instance where Loris is allowed to be the knight of flowers, you know, the reason why he is such a badass himself. And they really have just kind of been um, focusing on his sexuality. Uh, that, that tends to be Loris's thing. Uh, but this is from Hannah. This is a separate thing from Hannah about Loris. Ha uh, Hannah writes in, is Loris getting the everyone knows who cares scene essentially sealing his fate this season, knowing what's to come. I can't see them taking the time to show us this otherwise. And of course, in the books, we're going to hear about whether or not it actually happened, but we're going to hear that Loris uh, is part of, uh, part of the charge against Dragonstone. He is going to be at battle there. He's going to be severely, potentially mortally injured at Dragonstone in a big heroic moment. Um, could we get that? Is that something that you think that we could actually get with Loris at some point this season? And I if mean, so, does that, does, that, um, does that make up for the fact that we haven't been getting that side of him? Maybe. I'm honestly, I'm not sure. And I think at a certain point, he will have to be sent away. Um, from King's Landing. But I think the reason why they're, I think there's a reason why they're leaning so heavily on the Loris's gay stuff and it will become evident. Uh, and I actually, I think it's, it's sort of cool what they do with him this season, uh, at least from what I've seen. So, but it, it certainly could end with the Dragonstone stuff. Um, but I wonder how much they're going to trim of the sieges. Like we were talking about, obviously, there's not going to be a siege at River Run because Jamie is in Dorne. Like I, I feel like a lot of the ancillary action in the in the books is probably just going to get cut for the sake of not confusing the show audience too much. Yeah. 
Um, all right, well, let's move on. Let's let's start finishing up here. Let's start wrapping up and let's go back um, to the wall, albeit indirectly. Uh, this is from the great Geek Furious, the amazing Geek Furious. Uh, Geek Furious writes, do you think that David and Dan decided to avoid Lady Stoneheart and the Mance Ruse because they wanted to save a magical resurrection for a bigger character later? Yeah, uh, and, 100%. Yeah, and, and of course, if you don't if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about John after John is going to be uh killed it certainly seems or very close to dead mostly dead at the very best uh and the popular theory is that john can't actually be dead he's john snow you can't kill off john snow at least not that way not without revealing r plus l equals j and having that be super important so of course he's going to get resurrected uh whether or not that's actually what's going to happen who knows but let's assume that that's what's going to happen do you think that cutting stoneheart and getting rid of this magical manse moment um do you think that that is a move to to make the resurrection of john snow eventually a bigger deal Yes. And I, I came into that theory all on my own fairly recently in the past couple of weeks. And it's the only thing in my mind that justifies them cutting Stoneheart because that's such an, oh my God, wait, what moment from the books that to do that in the show would make, would do what happens in the books. And you think, okay, well, every character who we think is dead isn't actually dead. Brienne isn't actually dead. She's still with Stoneheart. John isn't actually dead. He'll probably just get resurrected. Like to save that, oh my God, I thought this character was dead moment, but I forgot that there was a workaround for this that they can be brought back to life. Totally makes sense to me. And also they made a point of establishing that Melisandre had a conversation with Thoros about Beric. So she at least knows that this is a possibility. So yes, I firmly stand by that theory. I would be very sad if it didn't end up being true and John is actually dead and that would be the worst. And then we'd still get no Stoneheart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I still don't think that we're ever going to get Stoneheart, even if uh, no magical resurrection of Jon Snow is to come. It's just never going to happen. Oh, no. Same. I'm just I would just be disappointed if this theory if we, didn't work yeah, out yeah, yeah. If, wasn't resurrected and we still got no Stoneheart. Totally. All right. And then I don't know how much you can weigh on this. This is the last question we'll do today. This is from Brendan Fitzpatrick. Again, Brendan wrote like a million questions. So we got to like <laughs> three or four of them. Uh, Brendan's the best. Uh, Brendan wrote about Sam and Gilly, my favorite. Sam, who's having the best season ever. He's just the man. Uh, Brendan wrote about Sam and Gilly. Uh, Sam and Gilly had a nice conversation about being sent away. Uh, so John is totally going to send them away this season like he does in the books. But the question is, Will he send him to Old Town or will they change it for the show? Uh, first of all, can you address this question without saying too much? Um, I honestly don't know much about okay, it. Okay, cool. So you can't say much yet. Um, no, what, what's, your, what's your feeling on it? I don't think that he's going to be sent away at all, honestly. You think he's staying and why? Why do you think that? Uh, I just think they're already sending John away from the wall to do hard home. They're going to have to have someone back at the wall watching it. I, I don't know. I just, I don't think that, I think to do the old town stuff or anywhere um, wouldn't even really make that much sense because there isn't the baby issue in the show. Right. Yeah. The, the Mance Raider baby doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't seem like Melisandre's all that interested. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's no Royal baby to kill. So I think that that does kind of cheapen, the need to send Sam away. Uh, and I think the other piece of it too, is that Pip and Gren are dead. Uh, and there's just not a ton of people on the wall that John can bounce off of, you know, recognizable people other than a uh, Dolores Ed, who's terrific, uh, but only one person, um, you know, there are other, you know, recognizable people on the wall. There's Alistair Thorne, uh, there's Jano Slint, but he's probably not going to be around for very long. Um, and, you know, in terms of friendly faces, Sam is really the big one. Uh, that's not a joke at Sam's expense, uh, but Sam is the big one. Uh, and I think that sending him away would probably be, that, that's another thing that I think the show would have a hard time recovering. But that said, old town seems to be a really big deal in the books. And I wonder if it will be a big deal on the show. Uh, you know, we haven't really heard much about old town whatsoever. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's not, I mean, with it, at least within the first four episodes, that's not anything that's addressed. Sam is still at the wall that's where we stand. So yeah, I'm not sure. All right. Well, um, I think that's going to do it. I think that's going to do it for round one of the game of Thrones season five book club, Terry. 
That was a fun one. I like, God, I'm nervous and excited for the rest of the season. I, I really think that there's some cool stuff ahead, at least that I've seen that I have been like dying to talk with you all about. So be excited for at least the most of the first half of the season. And then who knows? Yeah, I am. I mean, at the very least, it's fun to watch a disaster unfold <laughs> in, the, in the absolute worst case scenario. If like all of the departures from the books are just dreadful and terrible, that will be fun in its own way. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm greatly looking forward to it. I, as I've said before, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to this stuff. I don't, I'm not, you know, super diehard about just about anything. There are some things that can get left out that are going to break my heart. Uh, I am sad that the Valencar thing has not been mentioned and probably won't be mentioned, but I'll live. I'll get over it. Um, but I know that this is really it's it's you know, th- these books are, are books that people have really fallen in love with and have have a serious attachment to. And, um, you know, there are people who are just very ripped up about some of the changes that have already happened and certainly a lot of the changes that are going to be on the way. And it's your right to feel that way if you feel that way. But for my money, I'm okay with just letting it ride, seeing how it goes. I thought that the first episode was really fun. And uh, based on your endorsement of the next three, I'm excited to see where those go. And I'm excited to see where the season goes. So uh, train wreck or awesome train. Uh, We are going to be on this train all season long. Terry and I, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones on the book club. Again, not always live. Uh, We will let you know when we are live. No plans for next week yet, but that may change. This was very fun. And if you guys uh, can come in and do that, that would be awesome. Uh, So we'll, we'll keep you posted on when we do the next live show but at the very least you'll get an audio version again best way to do that post your recaps.com slash got itunes uh follow terry on twitter the associate editor of zap terry schwartz the best follow all of her game of thrones coverage everything that she does at terry underscore shorts schwartz not shorts terry <laughs> schwartz is a different thing uh but follow terry schwartz uh i'm at round howard like ron howard but rounder if you got this far what's our hashtag be something about mance raider um I was going to say, how about hashtag no mance? It's not a show mance. There is no mance. We are, we are down with mance. So let's go hashtag no mance. If you made it this far, uh, we see there's a lot of people who've been in the chat room and a lot of people who are watching us live. So thank you very much for everybody who tuned in and thank you everybody who's listening in the archives. And, uh, we'll be back very soon. We'll have a feedback show with Rob Sesternino later this week. Otherwise we will see you Sunday night for the next recap of episode two of game of Thrones. And we'll see you next week for round two of the book club. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.